Hello. This is episode 12 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dan. No more, cries the man who is sick of his sorry existence. You start to feel a rush of energy as you plan and make preparations to change your life. You gather equipment, you download apps, and you make notes explaining all the giant steps you're going to take to achieve your goals. Then you wake up the next day, later than you had planned. Your first task has been a failure. If you can't wake up at the right time, how on earth will you get your biggest daily task done? You decide to leave it until the next day, and then the next. And so the hopeless cycle of personal development continues. That is, until the Kaizen effect came to the fore. The rush of endorphins we receive during our light bulb moment pushes us to feel as if we can conquer the world tomorrow and become the 1% in only a few weeks of deep focus. It seems that our brain sets us up for failure before we even have, be- before we have even begun. The Kaizen effect postulates that small but continuous changes trump radical measures every time. Assess your day and see which minor or simple actions you can implement into your routine. The improvements will seem non-existent at first, but these changes will steadily amplify due to the power of the compound effect. Want to start a daily routine? Give yourself only three tasks to complete at first, and slowly add on to this as the weeks go by. Want to start reading? Read a mere three daily pages and continue to build this up. Simply do 1% better than yesterday. Little strokes tell great oaks, said Benjamin Franklin. When it comes to personal development, there are three common barriers. The first is to take big strides and set unrealistic goals. We go ahead over our heels and slam overwhelming tasks onto ourselves. These tasks seem so daunting and unrealistic, with the reward being so far away that it actually forces us into inaction rather than action. If you do manage to set up realistic goals, you may then fall into the trap of optimization. In attempting to fast-track your progress, you end up researching, surfing the web, and listening to podcasts to find the best technique or the optimal path. Or lust for putting us in as little effort as possible that leads to us spend more time searching rather than doing. You must keep it simple. Let's say you've managed to start improving yourself, seeing ample progress week by week. You feel as if you have achieved what you had originally set out to do and decided to rest on your laurels, completely forgetting that the greatest danger occurs only at the moment of victory. Failing to realize that success has no final destination and that without maintenance, you will simply go back to square one. All the work you had put in slowly starts to reverse itself, turning what was once a pleasant journey of self-discovery into a nightmarish groundhog day. The Kaizen effect has quite a hilarious history. It was originally created by American academics during the Depression era in order to optimize American businesses and the wartime manufacturing machines. After the U.S. defeated the Axis powers due to the vast array of equipment they had produced thanks to the Kaizen effect, they then helped Japan revitalize their economy by using the exact same method. As time went on, the Americans ditched the Kaizen effect in favor of radical and vicious innovations. When Japan's car industry started to massively outperform the United States, the Americans asked the Japanese how they achieved such a feat, only to be told that they were employing the same method that they had abandoned. Don't get ambitious. Stop trying to cheat. Get 1% better every day and start right now. Here's to finally breaking the cycle.
And that was probably my favorite piece, which is quite a big statement, considering I'm a very big fan of the content. By a content creator that popped up in January of this year. While there are many people of the fields, the original mastermind behind it is from the United Kingdom. And he is today's guest, speaking not only about Kaizen, and a recent book that he read about Kaizen involving the greatest mixed martial artist of all time, Georges St. Pierre, but also talk about the name, people of the fields, the group of people, their content so far, and what they have planned. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's very wonderful to have you on. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's uh, quite an honor to be on here, considering this was the first podcast I ever listened to. So now, to be in an episode is uh, quite surreal. <laughs> really? I had no idea that this is the uh, the first the first podcast you'd listened to. It was indeed. Well, well, first of all, I'm honored in that, and I'm honored to have you as a guest as well. Um, when you when you and your people sort of splashed onto the scene, you know, you saw sort of all the right marks being checked with your content. You saw aesthetics that were striking. You saw ideas that were beneficial for people in their immediate lives. And you saw well-executed long-form writing. It's sort of the trifecta of all the things that people in the solar sphere are very much enjoying, and it's what's what's attracting people to it pretty rapidly. So um, I'm very uh, very much excited to learn more and share with the audience um, the thought process into what creates your content and the name of your page, uh, the philosophy of your page, and how it came to be. So could you possibly speak on what were the origins of people of the fields? Yeah, so... um... I'll go into a bit about my background, briefly as I can be. Um, So in a nutshell, I'm from London, England, and I'm currently studying in Scotland for my master's, and I'm on a military scholarship, which means that I'm due for officer school at the Royal Academy of Sandhurst. Uh, Once I've done with my studies, but due to COVID, I'm back in London with my parents. And for most of my life, I have been marked with, I'd say, mediocrity, and that's because I pursued countless things in my childhood, from I don't know, Boy Scouts, Army Cadets, I believe you call that ROTC, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, I've been in about eight different sports teams, and for a couple of years I went to a, a weekend drama school in London, so you never know, Arthur, perhaps we bumped into each other before. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I was never the best, and I was never the worst, and I, usually I pursued mediocrity on purpose because those at the bottom were sad and weak, depressed, and they were subject to bullying, and those at the top constantly having to prove their mettle like a a violent king of the hill. So I chose mediocrity because it was the path of least resistance. I was never bullied, but nor did I ever have the spotlight for being so great at something. So at the time, I thought I was a 200 IQ Machiavelli, but the reality was that by the time I was 18, I had no experience whatsoever. I had no negative events that fueled me because I constantly avoided them. So the best way to surmise my childhood was when I used to play a game called Total War Rome when I was around 11 years old. And um, Total War Rome is an epic strategy game that is famous for its long-winded and logical campaign mode. However, in the four years I played that game, I only played the quick match mode, which was a 10-minute battle that I dictated and set up. So I chose the strength of both mine and my enemy's forces, which was a computer. 
So for four whole years, every single day, I played the same battle again and again of my 30,000 men against the enemy's computer who had about 10,000 of the worst quality troops. So by doing that, I guaranteed myself victory every time. And this reinforced into a false reality that I was just naturally good at everything I did. But luckily I got out of this stupor and I realized that I needed negative events and negative exposure to build my character. And I forced myself to experience fear and loss. And at that time I was also involved in politics and I was a respected member of the Politogram community, which as the name suggests was a sphere on Instagram where people share their political takes, uh, both left and right. However, I came to yet another realization after hearing the words of Socrates, I believe. Uh, he said something like, along the lines of, you can't heal the world until you've healed yourself. And that's when I started to question the validity of my political opinions, because after all, I was just a normal sedentary teenager playing video games. And that's when I really started to follow the whole path of personal development and essentially infused it with my worldview or political beliefs as a necessary prerequisite. And as a result of this epiphany, I confronted my friends that I played video games with, because uh, we all share similar beliefs, I posited the same question I gave to myself, and they agreed and started following this path of development too. And in order to create a sphere that we could build ourselves, the people of the fields came to fruition. Wow. That's a wonderful progression. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, so, it actually reminds me what your, your story of your story with the video game sort of embodying the psyche that you had up until this point where you realized that you need to start challenging yourself more. It actually reminds me of the podcast whose format I actually based this podcast's format on, which is the Jocko podcast. And he did a, he did an ep a two-part episode about the Boer War. And he was talking about the state of the British Army going into the Boer War, and that the British Navy was still the gold standard in terms of maritime combat. But as far as the Army was concerned, they got so used to absolutely crushing, um, you know, small uprisings in all of their colonies. And when it came to fighting a formidable guerrilla-style enemy in the, it was not only the Boer Republic, but the Orange Free State, um, they found themselves sort of mentally weak because they hadn't been challenged in quite a while. So a war on paper that they should have won pretty handily pretty early on actually took three years until they finally shaped up. So I find the, I find it fascinating, honestly. Um, a lot of things coming full circle that at this point, with the amount of synchronicities in this sphere, I'm really not surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, we've had a lot of things occur at the same time without even knowing about it in terms of posts. Yeah, I mean, so I remember I, I, I spoke with you briefly when you and I uh, you and I spoke on the phone just to sort of break the ice. And I remember I woke up one day, I was telling you this, that I woke up one day in, in January and I saw people in the fields in Neolibertate. I'm like, where do these guys come from? And you guys very much were very recent accounts. You, you splashed on the scene with some of the highest quality writing, not only in the sphere, but on Instagram. And I was like, wow, these people are fantastic. And so I got to know you guys a bit better, and I found that you guys were from the UK, and I was like, ah, okay, this is going to make a little more sense. Uh, having to, uh, ha having been involved in some writer circles in my spare time outside of uh, Muay Thai and drama school when I was living in London, and 
around the same time that I did a podcast on brand strategy and anti-fragility, I, I think like within like 48 hours time, you would drop a post about anti-fragility. It's like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so the, the story folks as to why this podcast, this podcast was originally meant for this past Sunday, but there were so many synchronicities between this gentleman and myself that I, uh, I was like, okay, I think, um, I've been meaning to get him on as a guest on the podcast. Um, and I want to do it sooner rather than later. And it came in the form of me planning to do another podcast highlighting a figure. The first uh, figure that I highlighted in this podcast was Henry Rollins. And the next I had planned was Georges St. Pierre. And I saw this post on Kaizen by, from people of the fields. And I said, okay, that tears it. That absolutely tears it. Like, I need to. <laughs> there are way too many synchronicities. I think this is, a great, this is a great concept to talk about. So I messaged him basically saying, Hey, I'd love to have you as a guest on the podcast about, um, actually was just about, to, just about to do a podcast on Georges St. Pierre and Kaizen. And he said, oh, I just finished reading The Way of the Fight by Georges St. Pierre. I'm like, okay, you definitely need to be on the podcast because I've read that book like three times. Um, and that was going to be a big source material for the podcast. So hence why um, there was that last minute switcheroo between today's podcast and this, this most recent Sunday's podcast. Um, so once again, at this rate, I, I'm really not surprised with the amount of um, with the amount of synchronicities involved in terms of our content, in terms of our production and consumption, um, but I think that's what you're saying in your progression. If something that isn't exactly being vocalized right now, like we have the white pill and it's very enlightening, it's like almost like this enlightenment pill that you know we can turn things around and we can improve things, but we're almost. I feel maybe the, the, the aura of the sphere lately is lacking a little bit of resistance, the kind of resistance and negative experience that we need to grow. And you're one of the few people actually vocalizing that. And that's, that, that's, that's pretty fantastic to see. And what, what's, even, what's even more incredible to see is that you're at this point in your life where you realize, you know, you have your friends who are doing the same thing, right? They're all playing video games. They're all stacking the deck in their favorite <laughs> playing video game. And you sort of realize you have this epiphany that you need to start improving on yourself. And you don't just keep it to yourself. Like me personally, I would, and I have, I've just kept it to myself and then just have been an example. And then people start asking me what I'm doing because um, I'd rather not hurt cats. But you very much just said, no, I need to tell my friends we all need to be improving ourselves. And they were pretty receptive. That's, that's a rare, that's a rare occurrence. Can, can you go into a bit, of, bit more detail on what those conversations were like? Yeah, so it mainly stemmed from the fact that uh, I was watching a video by uh, the golden one, Marcus Follin, and he was talking about uh, being red-pilled. And he said that it's, it's one thing to be red-pilled and have all this knowledge, um, understand the political systems, the whole circus, or whatever you want to say. Uh, but it's, it's another to share that information. Because if you, if you truly believe you understand the truth then you need to share it you can't feel special about yourself because you have this you know esoteric knowledge that's been handed down to you by some sort of divine plan you need to share it with everybody else so i, I felt like i had a duty to start sharing it and i should probably preface this by saying that people feel is a group it's not just me i am the owner of the page i write the content for it but ultimately it's a group of 
70 guys and it started with a few friends but it, it also it had, it had a domino effect when I told these people or my friends that we need to start improving our lives if we truly want to have political opinions or to form a worldview we need to know ourselves first and they agreed with that and then once they had gone down the same path that I went down they started telling their friends and as I said it became a domino effect and now we've got 70 guys um, we have political, philosophical debates, we share aesthetics. Um, I write, I've been writing content for them, so all the posts on Instagram, I've been writing those sort of posts for two years, just for the, the group of 70 guys. And that's when we recently came to the realization, as you said, in January, I had the realization again that we need to start sharing it more. 70 is not good enough. The truth needs to be let out and we need the renaissance of men to occur. And that's why we started the Instagram, really. Wow. And that's that's another thing that's very unique about your page. So you see all these, you see all these, all these, you know, there's a there's a bunch of sort of movements that are really the same movement. Because they're all happening in the same timing, give or take a couple precursors. You have, I mean, you have the Manosphere, you have the precursors even before the Manosphere. You have the sort of Red Pill community. You have, um... You know, the, the group on Twitter that is sort of like tweener, meaning in between, so um, the Howling Void, it's in, in between Instagram and Twitter, the Howling Void, um, Brother Lobo on on Twitter, Soul Bra, you know, you have that sort of sphere. Then you have the solar sphere that popped up with Forrest Munden and Flamotus and Letters from the Ruins, and they're all individual creators. It's like, hi, I'm this person. Hi, my name is this sort of pen name, the nom de plume. Your, your account is the first that is a group account. You know, we're all, we're all trying to get everyone together, and you, you came to the table with 70 people. So how, yeah. how, did, how did this spread happen? Because I imagine somewhere indeed your friends and, you know, the immediate vicinity of where you live, but how did it grow from being, I would imagine, what, it started with like four or five guys to 70 guys? What was that progression like? Yeah, I mean, I suppose everyone's quite connected nowadays. And I play games, oh, of course, with, with friends that I know in my area, but uh, people play games with guys across the world. And I guess f for years I've been playing with a group that I've always had discussions with, and real discussions, political discussions, discussions about society, and I think that that was the natural pull at first. And I suppose everyone else were in similar external circles. And they, I suppose, felt the same duty that I felt, that the truth needed to be shared. And so they quickly sent an invite to someone that was perhaps, well, yeah, because we've had a lot of guys that have had addictions. And one of the biggest ones is, is an alcohol addiction. So. If, you, if someone knows that they have a friend with an addiction, they send an invite to people of the fields. That guy comes into our tribe, and we respect him, we give him advice, and he becomes one of our own. And we ultimately elevate him to the point where he wants to extend invites to other people. So I guess it's, it's infectious, the truth. It's, it's very infectious. See, I agree. I agree, but the, the the truth is infectious. But 
there, there's there's so many things that about you and about this group of people in the field that fascinates me just from everything you're saying and, and not just about the group but you as an individual as well i mean first of all a lot of people in the sphere i mean there there are people who have um many addictions and they're recovering um you know that some of the top ones are like you said alcohol pornography but one of them is video games so it's almost what you're you're speaking out, out loud and having this this group of people that is sharing opinions and sharing ideas through the through the initial pretense of video games and then healing addiction through something that is very frequently in an addiction for people living in the 21st century in this dying postmodern era and then not only that you're, you're healing these individuals and then this really healed individual within the sphere of a pseudo addiction is now healing others so that in itself is what or many people are seeing as an oxymoron which is fascinating because there's this durability to it there's this toughness to it it doesn't need this sort of pampered sort of separate area in which to heal it's healing in real life and but it's also healing over this virtual world and the other thing that fascinates me is something i'm beginning to hear within you there's a very healing nature not only with the way you speak but just sort of the essence that you carry through and you have like this duty but it's also very as a matter of fact it's a very rare quality are are, are you I, i'm maybe maybe i'm speaking to you things that you've already learned about yourself but did you do you view yourself in that way have you caught wind of that have other people said that to you i mean it's, it's, i've never really thought that about myself it's, it's quite a novel thing to hear but uh, uh thank you but i suppose i've always believed that i i'm on the right path and i've due to bad experiences I want people to avoid the same things that that I've gone through which is I guess the same as most people so I don't really separate myself but yeah I just feel like I have an obligation to to help people who are probably in the same issues that I I experienced because I was just a normal sedentary teen and and that is the societal norm at the moment and I think I purposely created the group on Discord which is if you are a bit too old for that it's the gaming version of Skype and the reason i did that was because you use discord to call while you're playing games but instead of using discord to log in to play games i wanted them to log in and start talking with the tribe start sharing their ideas start sharing their problems and yeah that was the ultimate goal i believe is to first to get them off games because that was the main addiction that we all shared because it's it's a very gen z tribe and use their time to discuss and improve and follow the same path that the four that originally joined it wow okay so within this sphere there is also that addiction of gaming but it's it's interesting it's like and i i've been familiar with this sport because i've had a couple of friends through high school that were pretty addicted to league of legends um and Dota 2 and you know CS:GO and all these you know classic competitive yeah. games but which i mean for for my for, from the essence i've gathered at least what i've witnessed or my encounters with this sport it's almost tied to this sort of like shiny candy bar 
sort of essence of like, ooh, we're going to get on Discord and that means we're going to play games for the next 10 hours. It's like, no, yeah. it's, it's almost like you, it's almost a bit of entrapment. It's like, we're going to get on Discord and now you're going to confront your addictions. It's like completely flipping <laughs> the script. I, I, you know, maybe it's because you, you, you know, you, you have a, you're, you're tied to the military or you have a, you have, you have a looming obligation to go into officer school and I'm sort of spilling the beans on a bit of your background here, but when we spoke on the phone, folks, uh, I learned that he's currently doing his master's in military history. Is that correct? Medieval history, yeah. Uh, medieval history. And studying quite a bit of military history having to do with Scotland. Um, so has, has any of your study of military history influenced your tactics and sort of helping people and flipping the script on Discord? 100%, because I think... The main thing I utilize is, even though it, it it looks like on Instagram that I'm I'm carrying it, is that I impose duties on the members of the people of the field. So the Discord is is set up in a way that there are multiple channels with multiple pieces of information that you can read. So there's channels regarding financial education, regarding survivalism. Um, we share aesthetics and all of those channels have been imposed on a different person uh, who usually specializes in that subject or have, has an interest in that subject so I've, I've imposed this duty on on these guys so rather than logging in to play games they they realize oh I need to fill the channel I need to start writing something for my channel and so yeah it's a very very clockwork nature in the tribe everyone has their own duty and I think that definitely stems from the military. Wow. Okay, so there's, you're a fascinating individual. Can, can you share your first name with the, the audience or? Hamish, it's Hamish. Hamish, okay. First of all, Hamish, you're, a, you're quite the renaissance man. Let's just, let's just get that out of the way right now. You know, Thank you. Absolutely. That's, that's something that needs to be said. You know, you hit this, you hit this time in your life where you realize that you've just been absolutely stagnant for the entirety of your leading up to adulthood. And instead of turning 18 and going absolutely ballistic in pubs, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you decided to do the exact opposite. You absolutely flourish. And I, heal, I, I hear, once again, I hear a healing nature within you, but I do, I do hear a leader like a, a tried and true leader and not sort of dancing around being a leader as a content creator is like a no shit leader like a through and through unbridled leader i appreciate that absolutely uh, it's, it's it's evident i mean everything you've, you've, you've just told me and everything about people in the fields and we're gonna need more of those <laughs> well yeah i mean that's that's the ultimate goal for the people in the fields the the content that we put out is is useful, um, and that usually stems for our, from our own discussions uh, in the server, and I, I get inspiration from that and create these posts, but writing those posts aren't the goal. The goal is to encourage other people to set up similar tribes uh, in a similar style, and that's why I really appreciate it when you and uh, Primal Thrive announced that you were doing a group as well, and I know Mundo Forest has his own group, uh, because I think we really, really need to start encouraging um, 
creating a tribe, whether that's physical or virtual, because either one is much needed in this society, the way things are going. Yeah, I mean, so you're, you're starting to see these, these sort of tribes pop up. Like, um, you know, you have the Lambros with Solbra, which is which is a bit of a different thing, but you know it has one foot in sort of the same sphere. Um, yeah. From from my understanding, um, has has some different values, but some a lot of the same techniques in terms of you know separating from the system that is keeping people in chains, um, in more ways than one. And then you have um, you you have a group that I was invited to by uh, by Nature Pill. You know, I, I told that story. Uh, on that podcast where oh, yeah. he was sort of, you know, <laughs> there's a group of barbarians and I think <laughs> you, fit, you fit in really well. And I was like, oh, I'm more of a knight or an assassin. He's like, dude, like, you're, you're missing the point. <laughs> um, so there's, there, there's that. And then, you know, Forrest and I were speaking um, on the podcast we did together. We were saying, like, this this is great. The content being flooded is awesome. But we need, we need a tribe. We need to congregate. We need to meet in person like him and i are really hell-bent on meeting in person I mean, him and i are both on the west coast of the united states um as is flow motor so the three of us are like all right we, we, we the three of us need to get together and then we need to get you know we need to get more and more of an as much of an in-person tribe as we can but starting with the virtual tribe i think is a fantastic thing excuse me um because at least people's day-to-day thoughts are going to be ascending for the better because if, if there's almost like this procrastination of waiting well let's do it when we meet in person let's do it when we meet in person in the meantime you're sort of feeding your mind poison um and you're doing quite the opposite so you're saying that you're saying there's very much validity in in both formats basically yeah and i, th- I think congregation is really key because no matter how how much quality content you're putting out online people will still continually scroll uh, they would acknowledge and they'll scroll, but they won't apply anything. And I think to start getting boots on the ground or uh, having external societies and tribes to reinforce these ideas is really key. Uh, otherwise, people are not going to be applying and really soaking in this information. And even just being invited to this podcast, which I really appreciate makes me feel closer to the community so i can only imagine what a physical congregation would do to the solar sphere yeah i mean it, it's it's strange I, I i said in the tail end of the last episode that you know i had zero plans of doing a podcast i mean zero i <laughs> i it was, it was like just that was that was the the last thing I wanted to do, like I, I, I sort of, you know, my, my aspirations as a fighter and as a writer, you know, I have, I, I'm not going to lie. I have little daydreams of being invited to Joe Rogan podcast and being able to finally talk about some things, you know, but I, I had zero idea of being a host and it's sort of, you know, like two days after the great conjunction, I've, I've spoken about this before and, and audience, if, if you are tired of hearing about the great conjunction, this is not the podcast for you. <laughs> Because that was a pretty key event. Um, but yeah, two days after the Great Conjunction, I just I, I, I mentioned this to Gallantry Field, I mentioned this to Forrest, I mentioned I think I think I mentioned this to Nature Chat too. That I just posted on my story like expect two posts per day from Blood and Rain, expect two other sources of content 
and expect pictures of my championship belts and expect you know expect a podcast too and i was like after i posted that i'm like i guess i'm doing a podcast too and it was almost like this thought that wasn't of my own you know mm. um and i i have a, i have i have things to say i have things i want to discuss i have things very much like your posts um especially the the the, the solo the solo podcast i do um you know about anti-fragility and green martyrdom and the lobbing method and spiritual warfare like these are these are topics and things that i want to raise awareness about and i want people to cultivate skills in and i do enjoy sort of performing those but i i really enjoy bringing content creators on so people can hear the thought process and people can hear that they're sort of people just like them you know there's there there is a performance element to it there is a formality to it there is refinement to it but at the end of the day there's still people who one day like you said you're 18 and you decided to start you know, nature chad talks about this at nausea like you should just start i start my first post was a piece of bread and okay cool i started now what um and not, not getting in, in such a in such a head trip about it um so you know having having you on the podcast having forest having nature Build, having nature chat having gallantry fuel to me it's a blessing having, having evil academy him and i did a dual podcast together it's a blessing it, it is a through and through blessing for me and you know in the, the fringe benefit and it's actually not really the fringe benefit it's more so the main reason at the end of the day is to congregate yeah i mean well first of all it sounds absolutely diabolical that you were <laughs> never considered doing a podcast because you're such a natural at it but um I, I mean in terms of the great conjunction it was it really feels like there's a lot of external forces occurring and i really can't describe it any more than that it's it's quite inexplainable but um just being in this community is something that was never planned i absolutely had no idea about any content creators in which i told you in the call i knew of Mundan Forest's name, but I had no idea who he was. All I knew is that Sobra did a podcast with him. And my original plan was to put people of the fields on Instagram into the political community because that's what I had experience in. And I thought that by fusing politics and personal development, people would enjoy that niche and yeah, we would, we would get popular because no one else had done that. But then I started following a few people and that mm, launched me into some magical world of of loads of content creators with really unique takes and I was quite taken aback and uh, yeah I, I don't think that's just an accident or a coincidence there's definitely something going on there yeah I mean this you know this is an interesting topic because not only is it why we're it's, it's not necessarily maybe it is why we're here maybe that hasn't been revealed to us yet like Nature Pilled and I talked about you know what <laughs> what all of us meeting in person and congregating, what that could be like. And none of us really have been able to fathom it yet. And it's almost like it hasn't been revealed to us. But how we're here is something that is that everyone has felt across the face. Forrest Munden, he's a Norse pagan. Um, Evil Academy, he's a Catholic. I'm Orthodox. Now, you, you've mentioned to me in passing that you're agnostic, but you're still noticing this external factor. So how, how, do you, how do you navigate that? Like, how do you navigate the sort of 
This force of the unseen. I really do not know because I'm an agnostic theist, so in layman terms that essentially means that I believe in a designer or a higher power, I just don't know what that is. And I'm still sort of navigating spiritually my beliefs. But the one thing for certain that, that's occurring is that there's, there's too many coincidences that are happening in the past couple of weeks, especially within this community, that it, it certainly can't be an accident. So, yeah, I, I really don't know how to navigate or consider this information because spiritually I'm quite a novice. Um, but yeah, I can just definitely, definitely feel something, some energy. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm almost just sort of postulating, I'm just thinking aloud. You know, it's even sort of these, because, you know, once upon a time I was a theist. Um, I went through quite a bit of personal tragedy. Um, I had people who I knew and people who were close to me uh, commit suicide, and I was, I had nothing good to say. Yeah. I had, I had nothing nice to say about anyone or anything. And I was about 14 going on 15 at this time. And I really couldn't reconcile these occurrences. And I remember my mother speaking to me, saying, you know, I went through some stuff in high school, but never anything like this. I'm not going to pretend to know what it is you're going through right now. Because I'd be lying to you. And how it's justified, I have absolutely no idea. So that's that's one of the times that I became a deist. And, but at the same time, I was also in Boy Scouts. Um, I was starting to find, you know, peace and sort of this living, vibrating energy through nature. And that was around the time that transcendental, American transcendentalism, like Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, Bronson Alcott, Louisa May Alcott, all of these transcendental authors in high school. And that, that was around this, there was the same sophomore English teacher who actually taught me not, how, not just how to write, but how to love to write. Um, and I started feeling that, you know, even, even people, because sometimes science can be a religion. Even these hardcore science types, sometimes you'll catch them speaking about something sentient and something grand apart from their understanding that they're just feeling. And I find that a really fascinating thing that either people who don't believe there's a designer at all or people who believe that the designer, you know, just created things and now is laissez-faire and has no hand in things, like a deist. Um, and many, many hardcore atheists and authors have become deists. I find that a fascinating dynamic for them to wrestle with. Is that something that's a very recent thing that you're wrestling with? Are you sort of more intrigued and more open to exploring this sort of spiritual realm or are you just sort of taking things as it goes or yeah so i suppose similar to you i think it started with me in boy scouts because i obviously lived in london all my life and that's a, an extremely urban region covered with 
horrible smog and whatnot. So to be out in nature was just felt completely different. Um, felt like a rebirth in a way, and it it provided a feeling that it felt like it transcended the physical plane. And I, I could never put my finger on what that was. But yeah, only recently I, I've started considering spirituality. And that's mainly thanks to the members of the people of the field because uh, they're majority Catholic. There's Catholics, um, Protestants, there's even a couple Muslims. And they constantly have spiritual discussions. And I've never been... I would say interested, but I've never had the intellectual capacity to discuss these things because I really had no idea what my beliefs were. So I suppose it's thanks to them that I'm now uh, considering religion and considering faith. Well, so you are you are growing sort of more open. This is a part of you that you are looking to develop and looking to navigate accordingly. Then. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really. I feel very gratifying because of it and because obviously when I started I felt like I had nothing to gain from it I just wanted to give when I started people of the field I just wanted to give and set everybody else on the right path um, but now it's it's developed into something I, I never realized you know with 70 guys all across the world um, they're now you know transforming my ideas and improving myself and we're constantly improving each other so yeah, especially in the spiritual realm, I'm, I'm very pleased that I've created what I've created, I guess. Wow. It's almost, it's, it's coming full circle now. It's like you're, you're so much a caretaker, you're so much a leader. I, I, I've, I've been in this situation a couple times where <laughs> I've sort of like, no, 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 it's like my role to give. I'm, I'm not trying to get anything. <laughs> uh, but people, I, I had a... Um, so I had people that I worked in a bar with that I helped quite a bit in certain aspects. And they were very much trying to help me in certain aspects of mine. I was like, no, 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 thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm the servant here, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I eventually sort of let them let them help me back. And um, it's been one of the most fulfilling symbiotic relationships. Um, and these are these are men who I'm going to be having in my wedding party for when I get married. Um, mm. You know, I never thought I'd have that working in a bar. You know, I thought like working in a bar is just like, all right, clock in, clock out. Don't even be nice to anybody. I mean, I don't even mean anybody. But it's like, I'm not going to write at Christmas. You know, it's, what, like, <laughs> it's very much, I, I was seeing it as just a job and it became much more than that. Um, but spe speaking of your tribe shifting gears for a second, where does... I, I have so many questions for you because I find your story fascinating. I find you as an individual fascinating. I find your tribe fascinating. And I find the content that you put out just refined and sharp and, and interesting all at the same time. And I think it's, 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 a, it's an incredible asset in, in addition to this sphere. I, I can't emphasize that enough. And Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, where does where the name People of the Fields come from? Curious. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I cannot tell you because uh, what happened was was that um, I was going through some times and I left pretty much 
left all my servers. It's kind of going back to, to what we were saying about uh, about rewarding after you've put so much effort in was that, um, yeah, I had some issues and I pretty much left the internet. I deleted apps, but I gave the server to to the guys I, that were a part of the people of the films. I, I just gave it to the members of the tribe and I just asked them to continue it. And they did so, and they continued it for about three to four months, and they did the same thing I did. And yeah, that's when the name was changed. So, to be quite honest with you, I have no idea where it stems from, but I think it's it's really fitting. And at least in my view, um, it fields particularly represents a, just a simpler way of life and a revolt against the modern world. Very much in relation to, to Gandhi's philosophy, Evola's philosophy. But yeah, just a revolt against the modern world, a revolt against um, technocracy, essentially. Yeah, so that's... Almost, you go through personal tragedy, you get back and have these names, and you almost don't question it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is what you guys have been doing. I'm very much like the name, so just for that, we'll keep rolling with it. It's like they put new wallpaper up in my house. <laughs> sort of walk in to do a double take and like, you know what? I mean, for so for a British front, bit of British understatement, oh, that's not bad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I was just I was just happy that they they continued what I started for so long, and you know they they did the same thing that I did. They delineated tasks um, to different people. And it just functioned like clockwork, as normal. And I mean, uh, we even have, obviously, most of them are Gen Z. The, the youngest guy is 17 years old, and he um, does the quotes. So if you've ever seen my quotes on the Instagram page, they are all made, designed, found, written by him, and he's 17 years old. So yeah, they, they, they did things without me, and I'm really happy about that. Well, A, that's a testament. So, A, A, first of all, I love the name People of the Fields. It it has this very warm essence, but very strong and powerful, folky, grounded essence. Like, I really like it. So, yeah, definitely. You can almost see, like, these sort of soldiers assembling all from all fields all over. It's like, <laughs> there's, they're artisans and soldiers. I love it. I love the name. And B, it, it sounds like you really did your job because... If you didn't, you know, if it was really just led by you and just really pushed by you to the point where you weren't really focusing on other people's growth, you were just sort of the linchpin and holding it all together, you would have come back to complacency and nothingness. But you came back to people who were built up and were able to answer that call. So that's a testament to your work, and it's a testament to them continuing that sort of work and I was speaking about this with both Forrest and Will Spencer of Renaissance of Men you know you have your TikTok zoomers who are doing stupid dances to Doja Cat songs but <laughs> for the most part I mean I, I'm again I, I've mentioned this before I'm some, by some considered the first year of Gen Z and some considered the last year of the millennials so depending on who you ask, but Gen Z as a whole gives me a whole lot of hope. 
Yeah. It's like, oh, this is the next generation up. This is what they do. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Like they're striving for work ethic. They're striving for wisdom. They're striving to end degeneracy. They're striving to... You know, a lot of people on this sphere, I, I, I think, have the notion that we're going to suddenly go back to the 1950s. <laughs> or the 18-whatevers. Yeah. And that's just not going to happen. I mean, there are a lot of things in modernism and postmodernism that have been beneficial for society. But Gen Z, what I'm noticing, is taking the beneficial things that were abandoned and labeled out of date when really they were essential and core. Um, so Gen Z as a whole, for the most part, from what I've seen, with you, once again, the exception of TikTok, um, <laughs> You, you guys are asking all the right questions and doing all the right things not because you're being taught to. It's almost instinctual as part of your collective or your slash our collective subconscious because honestly I found, I found myself doing the same thing and being, you know, this is about four years ago, five years ago and if that makes me the first, you know, generation the first year of Gen Z you know, I was surrounded by millennials it's sort of looking at me like, what are you doing that for? Like, you're making, you're making life harder for yourself. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. And it's just, mm. just like an absolutely alien concept. You know? um, so, but you guys who are properly in Gen Z, you're doing all the things that need to be done counter to the norm, not because the norm is there. And I think that that is another embodiment of this sort of shift in consciousness. I think these are, it's becoming so undeniable that it's almost illogical to deny it yeah and i think the people of the films is a great survey of the sheer contrast between at least uh the boomer generation and gen z or however you want to call it because as i was saying to you in the call um when it comes to matters of religion uh there is members of the people of the fields who you know, most of them are an average age of 20 or 19 uh going to orthodoxy because they they find it a more traditional religion or they're going to set a vacantism um, because they, they don't believe in, in the current pope and to think that there's you know teenagers discussing these these concepts sound diabolical but this isn't a niche this isn't just a a, a random uh, a cut of society that we have here these are normal guys normal guys that were lazy and playing video games but then they realized that the pleasures uh, that are being forced onto them are not actually what they seem. They're temporary and they're there to degradate you. And I believe the goal is now to pursue eudaimonia, as the ancients call it. And it's, it's really uh, white-pilling to see that Gen Z is definitely waking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to say I, I'm I, at this point. Every day in 2021 has kind of been a gift because I, I I've, I've been amazed every single day. I know that that's it's really really corny to say out loud. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember my first day of drama school, and you know, here I'm I'm the I'm one of the two international students they've accepted, and so like I'm I'm in London. You know, I'm in the city that I've dreamed of since I first 
visited when I was five years old. And I'm like looking around like, wow. And some of the older, older students are asking me, so what do you think so far? And I'm like, man, every day is a gift. And they're like, all right, I will see then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will see feel maybe like a bit, you know, two weeks, two months down the line. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, the more, the more posh ones said that in much less words. Like, oh, right. That's good. Um, speaking. But that's, that's how I felt about this year. And when I first came to the Orthodox Church, I was the one person my age. Like, you had kids, you had little kids who were the kids of, you know, the adults who were in the church. I showed up, I mean, I, I called the priest ahead of time my first time. I talked about this on um, Zenobial's podcast, another one of these young guns who wise beyond their years. Um, and, you know, I was, I was invited to the church. I was invited to learn more. I was invited to speak to the priest. They were very welcoming. But when I attended my first vigil, not everyone was aware that I was beginning to ask questions and beginning to visit. And they're all looking at me like almost like I'm lost. Like, what, what, what is this guy doing here? And this, one of these older Russian men comes up to me, are you Orthodox? And I said, um, I mean, not yet. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm Protestant for now. Um, mm. Certainly curious about being Orthodox. So for, it's, a, it's a long-winded tangent of me saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's so encouraging to me because conclusions that I, I drew about four years ago that a lot of people looked at me as absolutely crazy for drawing are now becoming the norm and it's I, I, I'm not one who's like seeking validation but it, it is it is it is validated it really is yeah 100% um, what I'm seeing too that you typically don't see in gener in generations when they're young, they go through this initial, and I'm I'm, I'm sure you you guys are still going through this as well. But you're aware that being young often comes with impatience for growth, but you're aware of it enough to the point that you're seeking patient and methodical approaches. Yeah. I, abs I absolutely did not do that. I was, <laughs> I was an absolute, like, I need to be performing at the Royal National Theater, like, by 25, or I have completely failed. Like, that was my, that was my attitude going into drama school. Um, and there's this air of inevitability, actually, about the people of the field, about, I mean, I'm going to spout off some names here, these are all the younger cats, Evil Academy, um, Zenobial. Um, nature chat. I, I'm, I'm gallantry fuel. Neo liberty. Neo liberty. Neo liberty. I'm, I'm spilling the beans here. Neo liberty 17 years old. Yeah, uh, when I heard that, I DM'd him and I was so confused that he has the the writing age of a 25 year old. It's crazy. Neo liberty is one of the best writers, not just in the sphere, on Instagram. Like, I, I, I regularly tell him that, and he's like, oh, thanks. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious, you are. Um, I'm, I'm consistently impressed with him, and, he, and he's doing a workout program I wrote for him, and he's sending me these videos, and he's like, 
these are my health sprints, and he's just absolutely crushing it. Wow. Um, but all oh, there, there's this air of inevitability, this air of patience. So when I saw the post on Kaizen, I was like, this is this is sort of like the the, 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 the principle that they're embodying. It's like we're gonna have this steady growth that five years down the line, it's gonna be unshakable. Now, sw sw switching gears to someone more towards the physical, I mean, you mentioned the group that I'm doing with Primal Thrive. Primal Thrive is doing, is, is sort of spreading his knowledge about testosterone boosting and biohacking, and I'm sort of the other side of things in terms of training. And I prefer methods now that are very inevitable and durable and stable, because you see with a lot of programs for strength and conditioning and this is this is one giant roundabout tangent so please bear with me but i, I i'm getting somewhere with this um but you see in a lot of american and actually just just general western north american and western european programming you see these cycles where they're just working up to this peak constantly and they sort of like hit this one rep max and then they start the new program and they find that they're not really that strong. They're only strong for that period of time, for that max. It's like they, they, they force their body into something that was, and it wasn't stable enough to remain. Whereas I, I've sort of switched gears to a lot of Eastern block style programming that's very durable in terms of adaptations. So it's like they're doing it in such a way that when they reach these new peaks, they become the new norms. And I'm seeing that within all of them within all the content creators I just mentioned and within your tribe, the people in the fields. Is that concept of Kaizen something that's stuck with your group for a while? Because I, you, you, when you first came onto the scene, you were dropping post after post after post after post of a bunch of different concepts. It's something that I strive to do on Blood and Rain when, I, when I'm speaking of the more actionable posts and it's less freeform writing. You were yeah. speaking of all these concepts that are highly beneficial in detail with a fantastic understanding. But now that you mentioned that you've been, you've been sort of posting you know, in-house for two years, that makes a lot of sense to me. You had this catalog. So was that Kaizen post in the catalog for a long period of time? And is that something that your tribe discusses? Is that something that you strive for? Is that a core principle of your tribe at this moment? So the Kaizen itself was never in the catalog so to speak but we've always been discussing um, the American way of life and the American dream in particular because I believe that the American dream is what has replaced Kaizen because of course as you read in my, my first post at the start of the podcast America and the Americans created Kaizen but then they disowned it so I think the American dream has taken that place and we discussed that quite a lot because the American dream is all about grit and you know, pedal to the metal, forcing yourself through hell, just so you and your kids can live in a nice suburban neighborhood. But Kaizen is the creation of systems which makes work easy. So it's not about working harder, but rather working smarter. Because I think um, one of the coaches of George Simpia in, in the book said that if I tell you to run to a brick wall, it's going to be hard. It's hard work. But it's not smart work. It's, it's very stupid. So by changing, adding and removing tiny parts of your life so that you improve every day without realizing is Kaizen. And I think I've never specifically mentioned Kaizen in the people of the fields 
uh, until the post, but I've always advocated for uh, changing and removing at a pace, patiently, in small sequences. And that's definitely from my experiences, because when I, when I go down the path of personal development, I always set stupid goals because I, I get so pumped up that I feel like I can, you know, conquer the world and I become a barbarian. But then the next day I, I get really tired and I say, no, I'll do it tomorrow. But yeah, so applying Kaizen has been, I've done that for the past three years and it's probably the best piece of advice, single piece of advice I could ever give to someone. It sort of comes full circle for you, really, at this point, in my mind, at least, because it sort of just labeled what you've done from the time that you're 18. You began to make changes within yourself, yeah. and then you made changes for others, and so on and so forth, and you made changes into a group, into a Discord group, and you started doing this catalog of posts. And you started growing your virtual community to 70 people. And you're like, all right, cool, we're, we're so stable enough in this. Now the next natural step is to head to Instagram and have an even bigger scope. And it's, you know, about a month, month and a half into your posting, you write this. Yeah. You, you finish reading Way of the Fight and you write about Kaizen. And that, that's the principle that, you, that you've been living upon. It's almost, it, it comes at this divine timing. So you go through all this, you didn't read it at the beginning and say, I'm going to live this way. You just figure it out naturally. Yeah, I think from my, my time as an 18 year old, four years later, 22, I think I've, uh, I hadn't known it at the time, but I've been applying, applying Kaizen for even longer than I realized. And I think without Kaizen, people of the fields would not be as it is today on Instagram and there's a funny story um, that I can I can give you when we started the Instagram I designed the posts in a very uh, infographic -y way so if you type in just infographics on Google images they're very like professional corporate business orientated posts for Instagram and I and I did it in that style which was very stupid but I didn't realize at the time and I started posting them but then someone from People of the Fields, uh, he tagged me, pinged me, and he told me, this is shit. <laughs> he just straight <laughs> up said, this is shit. And I, at, the f at first, I was very uh, angry because I had been working on it for a long time. And I, I didn't see that he was trying to be constructive. Um, but I heeded that advice anyway, and I changed it slightly. I made it a bit more aesthetic. So I posted it again. And I got another ping, and I thought, okay, finally, he's going to praise me for my work. And instead, he said, it's better, but it's still shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was even angrier. Um, but again, I realized that he was probably right. And that's where you have the current format now. And so that's because of the tribe. They, they've ultimately created the people of the fields. And that's due to Kaizen. That's due to building, building our, our capacity of members. If I didn't have that tribe, if I had started on Instagram with, you know, the four guys I originally talked to about this, then who knows what the Instagram would look like. So yeah, Kaizen has pretty much built everything in relation to people in film. 
it shows. It shows in the warp, it shows in the stories, and it shows and it radiates within you. I'm curious because you read through what am I mean, people keep asking me about book advice and I've read so many books. Um, and the, the the ones I read every day are The Book of Five Rings and Anti Fragility. Or Anti Fragile, the proper name. Yeah. And and then various religious texts. Talking about just two books, I'm gonna write one up off my head, and then I'll, I'll read Dune pretty consistently, even though it's fiction. I'll, I'll pick up Gatsby once a year just because it changed my life, just by the way that the, the richness and the elegance of the prose and the the kind of longing and anguish that it portrays and just bleeds through the page. But you read one of the books that you know I, I've read more than once, so it was a big deal to me. That's written who I, by who I believe to be the greatest in mixed martial artist of all time. Untainted by Steroid, the toughest, densest schedule in his title run. Um, I'm curious, what were some of your other main taking, takeaways, shifting gears towards the, the original nature of the podcast, but, you know, something I definitely wanted to speak with you about, having read the book fresh. Yeah. And I should probably preface this by saying that I actually had no prior interest in the UFC, and this was, in fact... A book recommended to me uh, by someone in the people of the fields who's you know absolutely loves the UFC and and it's mainly because I I have a habit of reading biographies and autobiographies uh, particularly of historical figures because I like reading about their lives and I guess in relation to Kaizen seeing what I can improve of my own I constantly compare myself to them I read upon their deeds and I draw inspiration from that but uh, since I'm, uh, I'm a, a history guy, I've always read historical characters. And so I felt like I had been uh, negligent of, of more modern figures. And so I was recommended in the way of the fight. And to be honest, I didn't really think much of it. And that's mainly because when you see a sports star and you see that they've got a book out, you think, oh, this is probably some deal they've done. You know, they probably at the end of their career and thought they'd make a few extra bucks by writing a, you know, a short book. Um, but I read it and I really researched who the man was, Georges Saint-Pierre, and I realized how similar he is to me and how much I can relate, especially in uh, karate. And I'll try not to go off on a, a tangent here, but I did karate when I was young and um, I, had a, I had a natural app for it. But as I said at the start, I hated losing and I always wanted to configure my own victory to, to reinforce the idea that I was just naturally great. And there was a time when I had made two kids cry and sparring in a row and I was really proud of myself but then the instructor of the karate club came to me and said that I can't come anymore uh, and that was because he wanted to move me up to the fight club. And that was guys three to four years older than me. And you know, in retrospect, you think that's an honor you know, this guy is good enough to start fighting kids three or four years older. But at the time, I was so angry and I was crying and I hated my instructor because he had took my victories away from me. He took the easy victories away from me. So I went once to this fight club and I didn't even lose. I tied in sparring, but because it wasn't an easy victory, because I would have to start from the bottom again and go through all this pain and fear and negative emotions, I quit. I never went back. So reading him and his childhood when he did karate 
and realizing that he was experiencing the fear that I experienced, but he pushed through it, he embraced it, rather than being a slave to it, he he fought against it, he dismissed it, uh, and so uh, it re- really inspired me to, I guess, go back to combat sports in a way, and it, it realized it made me realize that he is not he's not a robot, he's not a superhero, you know, he's not huge, he's his average height, and his instructor, his coach, said that when he was starting, he was of just middling athletic ability. Yet because he had diligence, because he had courage, because he just never stopped and he had a system, he became the best in the world. And I think that was really inspiring for me. Before we go on, you touched upon the fear. And I think that's, ironically, aside from speaking of Kaizen, because he speaks about Kaizen at length, as the core element of his philosophy as a fighter and as a human, and as a martial artist. I think aside from that, probably holding the top spot in my mind, the most important part of the book are the first several paragraphs. Yeah, I agree. And the books, the paragraphs, you know, after the preface and the way of the fight, go like this. I'm scared. I'm scared because I'm thinking of a moment that changed my life and altered who I am. And I can't get away from it. I realize that being scared is part of who I am. Fear is the genesis of most of the good things that have occurred in my life. Fear is the beginning of every success I've lived. But it affects my perspective both physical and logical. That's the way it works. It doesn't just change what happens inside of you. It also immediately impacts how you relate to the world all around you. How or if you remember. Because of fear... Other information that seems totally basic and elementary, like what you were doing and why you were there, are gone. The present loses its power when pitted against fear. Fear is magical and possesses all kinds of superpowers. All it takes is a few words or a flash of images to trigger its strength. And the moment you see or hear whatever it is that scared you, your life changes. And yet, because I'm scared, Details I don't notice usually are right there in my mind. I can see them and their shapes. I can sense them. I can can feel like I can reach out and touch them. But not the whole picture. Something is all. I wasn't always a strong one. Fear made me. It's why I'm in love with my own fear. Don't misunderstand me. I don't like fear. But I do love it. And there's a major difference there. Because of what my fear makes me do. Because of how my fear has made me who I am. Some of my fears are terrifying, paralyzing. And I won't talk to you about those. They take my sleep and my comfort away from me. So not here, not now. Because I'm not ready for that yet. I can't. I won't. I'm not a machine. The truth is that I didn't start as a winner. When I was a kid, I was just another reject. I started at the bottom. 
I think all winners do. I think that's the most important thing I can read to everyone in the sphere right now. And I think that's the most important thing that I think that's the most important synchronicity that you and I have shared at this current moment in time because your story the get-go of your story, that moment when you're 18 years old, combined with finishing this book and having read those paragraphs, and combined with where the sphere is right now, or white-filling, that's great. But I'm getting messages from people. I'm getting messages from people who read the content of the sphere and listen to the podcasts and watch some of the videos that are out there. And they're still so scared of starting their content despite all of us saying, just start. Just start. Because they think that they need to conquer the world and, 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 and then some, and conquer the world and essentially cure cancer and do all these absolutely astronomical, amazing things before they can deserve to start making some content, to start saying something. They're thinking that they show up, basically. They, they have to show up being a winner. And the, the real winners start from nothing. Start from absolutely nothing. I started from nothing. I, st I had more devastating downs than I can count. Things that were not of my accord and things that were absolutely wholeheartedly rooted in my own self-destruction and in my younger years, just ignorance. And you started from bottom. And the people on your Discord channel started from bottom. They started from nothing. Folks, yeah. That's the best place to start. It's the absolute best place to start because that's that's bedrock. You're not propping up some phantom image. You're not prompting up some some illusion. There's a good story. When I was 18, and I was considering all these things, as, um, it was 3 a.m. at night, and everybody was asleep, and I sort of came to the realization that I needed to expose myself to fear. And I guess I got in a bit of a frenzy, and I, I wanted to break the cycle, break the matrix, I suppose. So what I did when everybody was asleep was that I went outside. And uh, I don't live in a great area, so you'd be very stupid to walk outside at 3 a.m. But I just went out, and I've never done that before, and I started walking around. I, I bumped into a drug deal and got chased. And, but I, I got home, and I realized that 
I've just faced my fear. I've never done that before. And all it took was 10 minutes of walking outside. And it felt like, it almost felt like reality was a game and it was all programmed. And I just, I just broke it by doing some completely random thing that no variable could predict. And that's when I came to the realization that I can shape energy into whatever I desire so long as I have courage, so long as I am diligent with it, so long as I am patient, so long as I am virtuous and I continue to face my fears and expose myself, I can do whatever I want. I think that was the real turning point for me, it was just realizing that you can very easily break the cycle. All you have to do is will it. You literally will it. And reality can be shaped. That's an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing because I, I did not live in the best part of London. Um, I mean, and I grew up in Oakland, if I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, however, I never had any story of being traced by a drug dealer. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, ne I don't, I've never, you know, I've, I've always looked a certain way, so I guess maybe that's not why, that's why I haven't had to deal with such a thing, but. You know, there's so much at work with you. I'm just, I have a smile on my face just thinking about it. Because there are things of your own accord, and there are things that are very clearly not of your own accord, that surround you. It's, it's leaving me speechless, to be honest, which doesn't make me a very good host. It doesn't make, <laughs> very, it doesn't make me a very good podcaster right now, to be completely honest. I mean, so far, this has been a great conversation, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Well, it's 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 been it's been absolutely enriching for me to say the very least, and it's been it, it's been a white pill in itself. But what I love about this white this overarching white pill is that you're sort of microdosing black pills. You're becoming anti fragile. Yeah. By microdosing black pills, you're you're tapping into some chaotic energy. You're facing fear because if you listen to George Saint Pierre talk about the fear, it's if fear doesn't doesn't place itself in your little boxes that you make for it. You know, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of wonderful literature about you know sleep and nutrition and optimization and testosterone. I mean that that's that that's what I defer to people like Primal Thrive and people like Flomotus. That's what I defer to them for. But fear fear isn't going to be like oh well, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to you when you wake up in eight hours. No, fear is, fear is robbing you of your sleep. Fear is making you sick to your stomach without having eaten anything and therefore making you not eat. And you're saying a message, honestly, that resonates more with myself than that. You should be seeking that out every single day. You should be seeking out fear. You should be seeking out failure. You should be seeking out these negative experiences to press against and to grow against grow from. I mean, I do the whole charged particle series on Instagram, and I talk about the, the positive charged particles, the like these 
I, I'm, I speak of the mainly music, so it's like you know, a, a piece of music that's a positively charged particle. It has an abundance of positive energy that you can glide with and consume feel great. You know, that, that's what the first two months of this sphere has been like. And it's been wonderful. It's been a blessing. But I think it's time... And I was, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about this walking home from the gym. Because I remember that, that glow initially this year and it's still there but now there's like this bit of a shift that i'm feeling this shift that okay we know where we stand we know why we're here we know there's a lot at work and thing a lot of things were revealed to us at once with the great conjunction and we're sort of deciphering that and now we're all at a point of notice forest is at this point i could i could, I could sort of tell initially from our conversation um nature pills at the point some other people that are going to be on the podcast and in due time that I've been speaking with, you know, in, in direct messages and over phone calls. All right. Now's the time where we need to continue to grow. We need to continue to press against things. And the white, the, we need to trust that we're, that we're on the right path. And I think that we are. And if that, if we're, if we get off the path that will be corralled by this sentient force tied to the Great Conjunction and tied to us all gathering right now, tied to, 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 to everything having to do with the sphere. It's like, okay, now it's time for us to do the tangible work. Do you, do you feel that in a sense? Because that's, that's sort of where I'm at, honestly. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, I, as I said, I, I never intended to be a part of this community because I didn't know what it was. But then as soon as we... we we came into the four I, I instantly felt something and I, I felt like this was right and that there's definitely something external and I don't know what that is and I think ultimately that's leading us all into into some direction and, and from speaking to the people I've spoken to we're all on a similar wavelength and I think our current path is is toward congregation. I think that's what we're being led to at the moment. I don't necessarily think that's the end goal, but I do think it's the next step, growth and then congregation. I, I agree. And I think the congregation is within sight. I think for now we do need that growth. I think we need to sort of you know, not that the, this is sort of somewhat the opposite of what I just said about starting from bottom, but we, and actually, no, it's not, because you and I both and many other content creators want people to start and not get wrapped up in some kind of head trip. So that you want them to start pressing against and growing. And the same people who are, same thing for the people who are already down that path. Um, I, I do feel the immediate thing individually is battling negative experiences, battling and pressing against the negative energy to grow. That, that's how it happens. Um, and then I think congregation will reveal itself. I, th I, th I think you're right. That is that is sort of the next checkpoint. Not necessarily the end. I really don't think it's the end. I think that's sort of just the beginning, really. Mm. I think the most important thing is to, as you said, start encouraging people to get past their fear of thinking they don't have a unique take or a unique form of content to provide to people. It's it's something that I want to encourage 
within the people of the film. So I don't want them to constantly read and apply what I'm writing. I want them to start creating content themselves, ultimately. And I think that's what I'm slowly preparing to do, is start having them move to the platform as well. And everyone thinks, you know, you have to, maybe you have to have some sort of long-form account, but it can even start with just aesthetics. You know, images mean everything. They can say so many things without any words. And just having an account for aesthetics is is a huge foot in the door. So I think anyone listening to this who thinks that maybe they do have a unique angle on things or they have a specific interest that they want to share or they have an eye for aesthetics and they have some you know, great images saved on their camera roll, use it. You need to start creating. And I think that's the only way to victory, to creation and innovation and then congregation. <laughs> and run greatly. Wow, that's that, that's like the, the the whole the wholehearted like fully it's like it's like a whole as opposed to like an a hollow empty slogan, it's like a whole hearty slogan. <laughs> yeah. And I mean all hats off to the Mundan Forest because he's he's really leading the charge in that sense. I mean even when we only had a few hundred followers and uh, I was putting out content I, I saw a couple people that I guess didn't necessarily see the point in resharing because I was just a random account at that point. But you know, Munden read it and he enjoyed it and he shared it, and I've been so happy uh, to know that people like that exist. And I mean, that's pretty much everyone in, in the solar community nowadays. After after I've talked to people, and I guess that was the the weirdest thing for me is is coming from the place that I do where you have to watch your back at all times and there's, there's always ulterior motives is I think I, I went in there essentially believing that everyone was hell-bent on growing and making money which was my first opinion of of at least the Twitter sphere with Solbra was that it was a it was a business venture but as I spoke to more guys, I, I realized that this is probably the most original thing I've ever seen. And it's the most honest. And everyone has a, a great amount of humility. And yeah, that was the biggest wipe that I've ever had by far. It's just seeing that everyone's helping each other. Yeah, it's... Forrest is the guy, man. He really is. Yeah. He was he was the you know I I, I I started in 2018 and then fell off my own path and went over dark night of the soul and, and Forrest and I talked about how the, actually the precursor before even us was uh, the invincible way um, the invincible way was the, the precursor for both of us and he sort of led the way for for both of us and now he, he's doing his own thing he's sort of hit and runs its information on the story that's absolutely priceless information. Um, but yeah, without him, you know, Forrest, myself, we wouldn't be here. But Forrest is the one who stuck around and, and fought the good fight when he felt he was speaking into nothing, and then everyone showed up, and he was—he said, "Great, you're all here. Let's let's make sure that you're all heard." And that's an incredibly noble thing, and it's one of the many things I admire about him wholeheartedly. 
Yeah, and I think there's a quote that I had recently by St. Anthony the Great, and that's, uh, the time is coming when man will go, men will go mad, and when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him, saying that you're mad, you're not like us. And I think that's ultimately what happened to, uh, to Mandan. He, he bared the brunt. Uh, he went in face first without any, any backing, and he's ultimately set the foundation for this platform. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a great line from the baseball movie Moneyball where the Oakland A's, they, uh, they get knocked out of the playoffs and it looked like doing Moneyball, the Moneyball strategy, you know, having just a, a cheapo squad. Yeah. We're going to win the World Series and then they get knocked out. Um, who knocked them out? I think it was the Anaheim. It doesn't matter. I think the Angels knocked them out. This is back in the day. And he gets called into the owner of the Boston Red Sox, story franchise. And he says, you know, I know you're taking him in the teeth right now. But the first one through the door always gets bloody. And the first one through the wall always gets bloody. Anyone who's not adopting your strategy right now is an absolute moron. And they're going to be sitting on their ass and fall watching the Boston Red Sox win the World Series. Like, I was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, and the Boston Red Sox broke their decades-long curse of not winning the World Series doing Moneyball. And that's that's, that's what it kind of reminds me of. He's this sort of, sort of madman. He's like, I don't care if I'm being persecuted by family. I don't care if I'm being persecuted by, you know, my fellow military men. I'm going to keep going. And, you know, this... He was the gracious host for all of this. Which I, I'm abundantly yeah. grateful for. Um, you know, if Forrest listens to this, he's going to hear us, hear us gushing about him. <laughs> um, but... You know, it, it, we're not the only ones mentioning this. We're not the only ones who started their content creation accounts because of him. Um, you know, Neo Libertate and Intuit Ethos, just right off the top of my head, were two guys who amazing content creators. Who, uh, uh, I recently just found Intuit Ethos, and I was, I, I read the post before I looked at his account. So I read the post thinking, uh, this is definitely some guy that's been here for a while, and I, I just, for some reason, just never discovered him. And then I saw his account and he was only weeks old. And I was very confused. Yeah. The quality of writing is great. He's a uh, he's phenomenal. He's he's absolutely. I've had multiple conversations with him. Um, he's actually the first person in the sphere who took me up on my free workout program. So I was like, hey, I want to help people get physically stronger. I don't want any money. And he's like, yeah, I'm game. I was like, great. <laughs> so um, he was uh, he was the first person to get on the program. And I think the second was either Greater Myth. It was another. Uh, Greater Myth's another fantastic comic. He's another one of the really talented writers. And he's, he's sort of, he's um, he's from India. Um, really? Yeah, he's, he's sort of the first from that part of the world. So um, he just, him and I talked on the phone. He, he talked, I was like, what do I need to do? And he was like really determined. He's sending me <laughs> just with, with, with kettlebells that he bought saying, dude, you're killing me. I just don't want to let you down. I'm like, what do you mean let, let me down? You're absolutely crushing me right now. Like, you should worry about, you know, doing right by you, not right, not right by you. <laughs> um, but um, that that was, that was the same dynamic I had with you and Neo Libertate when you guys came on the scene. Like, oh, these guys must have been here forever. And then I saw, what, January? <laughs> you serious? 
Um, it's 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 beyond blessed. It's absolutely beyond blessed. Um, what's next for people in the fields? I, I I saw a little tidbit on your story about something that you guys have coming up, but uh, I'm just gonna formally ask out loud for the sake of the podcast. What's next for people in the fields? Yeah. So as I told you in the call, we were preparing for a podcast and. The main inspiration for that was the fact that obviously I'm quite clearly clearly the frontman, I'm the only admin and owner of the page, but there are so many guys within the tribe that have so many unique takes, so many unique beliefs, um, unique career paths. I just want to you know, get them all on so you can hear what they think, because right now the posts on Instagram are a compilation of all our thoughts. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I want to shine a spotlight on the individuals as well. That, that was that was going to be the second part of my question. Was like, so are we going to see more, more voices, like more people speaking at the forefront of people the field? But I guess that's one of the main purposes of the podcast, then, huh? Yeah, it's pretty much that, and um, encouraging tribes. And we've been we've been considering opening our own. Or creating a new one. Obviously, we're worried that opening our own would, you know, create an imbalance. But whatever happens, we just want to advocate the use of tribes, be that physical or virtual, across the entire sphere, because I believe they're so important, especially for guys like me and you that have just started from nothing and started from the bottom, to have that group of guys that they can rely on, that they can talk to, discuss, debate and contribute instead of, you know, mindlessly playing video games, for example, in terms of Gen Z. And that's, I, I think as of right now, I mean, there's a number of ways that, there's a number of ways that content creators are helping uh, sort of, I don't want to call them followers because it makes it seem like a weird religious movement, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't think any of, uh, you know, I, I, most of us are trying not to be sort of like religious leaders, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think the most noble thing we can do is foster tribes and help people be strengthened by a pack and not feel alone. Um, not feel alone in this and feel like crazy. Like I felt 2017 and like I'm sure how Forrest felt when he, um, when he was doing all of this alone. Um, so when can we expect that podcast? Because I'm I'm already it, I'm already chomping at the bit. <laughs> so we'll probably be recording the first one uh, next Friday, and I'll have it out by Sunday. Fantastic. And it's going to be called the People of the Field Podcast. Uh, unless we can unless we can think of a more catchy name, then yeah, pretty much. I mean, you have alliteration on your side. The people of the field podcast. I mean, it has it flows well. Almost, yeah. It has has meter to it. If you could come up with a bit better name, I would say that's quite a feat. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to seeing everything that you and your tribe do. And I I'm, you know, something that I'm even more excited to see is how many tribes are formed as an inspiration due to inspiration from hearing the words of your tribe yeah and I think among us 
so long as we feel obligated to advocate for this and create ones, we can start a domino effect. So at least with us, uh, like I said, I, I, I don't want them to be readers or, as you said, followers. I want them to start creating and I want them to start forming their own. Perhaps it's a virtual tribe at the moment, but perhaps they can form their own physical ones in their own vicinity. And I, I think that's the goal here, because if we create a tribe and then the others start creating a tribe, it will just create a domino effect and a domino effect. And ultimately we can improve society, I suppose. It's going to get to the point when you and I spoke about this, you know, I speak about this to everybody. We need to win the norm by volume. Hmm. There, there, there isn't going to be an oversaturation. Like, oh, it's saturated. Like, no, this isn't, this isn't a fucking marketing. <laughs> like, this isn't a niche angle for making money. This isn't going to get saturated. Yeah, I think, I think the problem with, uh, a lot, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but a lot of creators on here, when, within the sphere, assume that everyone is as dialed up as we are. Because obviously, since we're creators, we are involved in pretty much everyone else's circle. And we know who everyone are, who everyone is. But if you were just a normal follower or a reader, whatever you want to call them, they probably, perhaps the average person would follow some of the bigger accounts. But as for the smaller ones, they're probably unaware of who they are. So they don't see this follow. So it's our duty, it's our goal to, to let to put exposure on everybody else, essentially, and to make it a norm and to grow everybody else's accounts. So yeah, I, I don't think I don't think an oversaturation exists because, in terms of the average person's scope, they do not see the current volume. I completely agree. I mean, that's that that, that that's where a bit of relativism is involved. Um, but but not only that. Do you want to turn on the TV and see transgender agenda, <laughs> this twerking for nonstop, that just math is racist, this, like, yeah. is that the norm you want to see on the television, really? Is it? Because I don't even think the people who are advocating that vocally are... It, and the true core within them, I don't think anyone's happy with the situation. I don't think anyone who's sane, I don't think anyone who's righteous or just is happy with this situation, is happy with the state of things. Everyone just seems absolutely miserable. Yeah. I think the goal is to... Well, we shouldn't we shouldn't rest on our laurels within Instagram. And we, we had this discussion quite a while ago, is that ultimately we need to branch into every sphere possible, every platform possible, if we want to start enacting a renaissance, so to speak, we can't remain a niche. Um, in, so, so we can have a replacement instead of that, that television channel that you described, which sounds abhorrent. And it reminds me of neo libertate's story, which is very traumatizing. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we need to it's constantly approach <laughs> Yeah. It's um yeah, we we need to be we need to be forging the norm and I think 
you know, I keep talking about volume, 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 volume. But I think there's a bit more strategy involved as well. It's like it's going to come in multiple forms. It's not just going to be coming in flooding social media, as you said. It's it's going to be the fiction we write. There, there's going to be someone. If you you know if you look, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of this because you think of film and television as something that's owned by the elitists that we absolutely despise who are pushing these sort of agendas. Yeah. But they can't really control that forever because the cost it takes to create high-quality film and television is so much lower now with the advancement in technology. It's like they've almost shot themselves in the foot by advancing technology too far because now... You can spread new fiction. You can spread new film and television. And you, you're seeing it with the news. No one's watching the news anymore. Yeah. No, no, no one's watching ITV news. No one's watching BBC news. No one's <laughs> watching Fox, CNN, MSNBC because they know it is all corporatist, elitist, anti-human propaganda. Yeah. So they're, they're turning to all these alternate news sites that are, you know... Uh, on both, uh, really, on both sides of the political spectrum, like that, there, there is alt left. Yeah, yeah. N- news sites, and you know what? For better or for worse, you know what I mean. Like, I'm not going to agree with everything those people have to say, but I'm just sort of glad that they're they're splintering from the controls. Yeah, it creates options. Exactly. That that's that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be this this one like you either believe this or you're an absolute heretic racist bigot like when when it has like again when it has nothing to do with racism like well math has a history of racism like no math is math <laughs> math is literally math like one plus one equals two there is nothing racist about that um so I hadn't really thought I mean there, there are books being published like Jack Donovan is a amazing author and then there are um I mean. I know Forrest is working on a piece of fiction. I'm writing a myth that's going to be released in third quarter of this year. Um, Will Spencer was saying, you know, we have people writing the nonfiction. We need to be writing the fiction. Because how much yeah. good fiction? How much good fiction is being written nowadays? At, at least, Very at least little. in the English-speaking world. Yeah, I mean, we we mostly rely on the classics now. There's, I I can't give you a title off the top of my head published after. 2000 or 2010 that is worth reading in terms of fiction and you, you, you need to go to foreign countries to do it you need to go to Latin America you need to, you need to go to the Middle East um, France just with their nature seems to keep doing it because no one's going to tell the French how to write <laughs> um, you know you're a hop skipper jumping away from France I'm sure you know exactly what I mean definitely <laughs> and, uh, and same thing with Spain and some of these more I mean, these are countries of my heritage, which is why I'm speaking upon them. But um, I, I, I think we could possibly see the world of film and television be the next step. I don't know. I'm, I, I just sort of thought of this off the top of my head because of what you just said in terms of we, we mustn't rest on our laurels. Like, we mustn't... It's not going to stop with Instagram. It's going to stop with... It's going to carry on other other social media. This isn't just going to be social media. It's going to be so much done in person. There's going to be people who's like, oh, I, I've... I'm a filmmaker. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sound guy. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a screenwriter. Dude, yeah. Sooner or later, the more we flood this, the more 
things are going to manifest beyond our imagination, which is why, like, I, I don't think that that's why it hasn't been revealed to us, because now it's sort of on us to do the work. I think a lot of people are very black pilled, especially in this sphere, because they believe that the system, the elites, whatever you want to call it, is omnipotent, and that attempting to fight back is, is stupid. You're going to die or whatever. And I think the reality is, is that this system or this whole reality that has been given to us relies on normal people believing in it. It relies on grassroots, normal human beings believing what they are spoon-fed. And the creation of all these different platforms allows us, or gives us the tools to start creating our own systems, our, our own media platforms. And I think we really need to utilize that. And as I was, as I said in my conversation with you over Telegram, is that if we, obviously Instagram will always be our home, but if we create it, if we fortify it as our own forward operating base, then we essentially rely on the people at Instagram headquarters for our survival and in the click of a button we can disappear so we obviously we shouldn't you know it's all about kaizen we, we shouldn't enact radical change and, and flood into these different platforms but we should really start considering uh, the future and the possibility because in reality the sky is the limit with technology that's that's a fascinating point of transition too because one of the precursors the golden one you guys up yeah you know 30 what 38,000 followers something like that and good pop gone yeah and I, I've been I've been following him for a while and he was very political at first but there was another person in this in on YouTube his name is Vark Viking was uh, you know, he's a black metal uh, singer for Burzum and he was very political and he was so political that he got removed at 400 500,000 subscribers and because of that ban uh, the golden one um, he removed m most of his videos discussing any controversial topics he lowered the political tone and he focused on personal development for more but what happened he got removed as well so i think we should stop thinking that we are safe uh, simply because we're apolitical because I think they're going to hunker down and, and come for anyone uh, that wants to teach the truth or, or break the cycle. So, yeah. And that's, I mean, so we're starting to see all social media platforms start to come into the fold. I mean, so there's, we, we saw Parler get sacked by Apple, by the Google Store. Mm. Um, but Parler was never a very good network to begin with. And it's, no. it's, it's, it's a bit strange, really. Um, I know the golden one is pushing for Gab. I don't have much I don't have much experience with Gab. It seems for now that, I mean, Telegram isn't the most secure in terms of communication. It's, it's far more secure than WhatsApp or Discord. Yeah. Um, but it's not... It's not at the level of security of like something like Signal or Wire. Um, so if, if, if you have stuff like you really don't want anyone seeing, like you're talking about some 
mystical family secret that you don't want to know like don't don't even talk about it on telegram talk about it on a on something like wire or, sig or signal guys um but in terms of sort of i mean i'm starting to convert everything to my telegram channel just just in case like i i say notice i say nothing like absolutely nothing remotely political i'm blooded yeah for that reason um I i'll say political things on this podcast I'll say political things on Telegram because I don't think the jurisdiction of Instagram's algorithm doesn't doesn't flow into that, and I, I doubt unless I get like five hundred thousand followers tomorrow that Instagram is going to go listening through all of my podcasts. I'm like, all right, this is the guy. And then we're just going to shut down, you know. Um, so that's why I'm very careful on Instagram with politics. Like, I'm not going to. It, it's it's fighting. You know, you mentioned George St. Pierre and his coach saying. I, I, I could have you run into a wall. That's hard work. It's not smart work. It's not smart to try picking up the good fight now and just getting smashed. It makes no sense. This is this is a long game. This is this isn't a this isn't a short term battle. Um, but I was speaking with Evo Academy when him and I did a dual podcast. If you're paying attention to uh, this, is all I'm going to say on this matter. If you're paying attention to some of the undertones politically of what's going on and what's silent and what weaves in and out of being silent and what narratives are being pressed harder lately more than ever, despite facts saying otherwise, start analyzing some patterns and it looks like big tech's hands might be tied for a little bit. That's all I'm going to say. I agree. Uh, so him and I felt very positive, like, you know, I don't think we're going to get sucked. I think by the time that comes, by the time we're big enough to get sucked, that, that can't be a thing. I'm like, God, you know what? I think there's something to that. But I think we should err on the, on the side of security, like you're saying. I think we should be congregating at an alt social media platform. The problem is there isn't one, like, there's no Instagram alternate. There's Twitter alternate. There's Facebook alternate. There's no Instagram alternate. This is the biggest problem we have. Yeah. I think we, we can never... We can never move all at once because there there really is no other website that we can utilize which has the same tools uh, that Instagram has. But I think it's very important that we we flow and we decentralize. Not not in the community sense, but in the sense that if something goes down, we can always pop up again. There's no oh, I've just been banned and none of my stuff is archived. There really is no point now. I'm just going to disappear. Uh, I think we, we do need to remain vigilant because well, there's just so many examples of people that are even mildly controversial and they're still being reprimanded, not necessarily banned, but just having so many deletions and manual ones as well. So yeah, I don't, don't necessarily think there is a whole need to move anywhere but everyone should remain vigilant, creators especially. Yeah, I mean, I think, I agree for the most part. I, I, I'm, I am actively searching, like, the golden one talked about minds being, like, yeah. the, the prettiest sort of most aesthetic format that could utilize best, but a big problem with it is that it, it allows pornography. Um, really? Yeah, you, you, you need to, like, flag it with, like, a not safe for work tag, but you can just click on that see nudity so it's not really disgusting jeez yeah i mean that's that, that's the dark side of free speech really 
It's free speech, it's free speech, it's free speech. Um, Double-edged sword, I guess. It, it really is. It really is. And that that's how the people who are having the, 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 these draconian sort of elitist deep state shadow gut, whatever you want to call them, there's so many names for it. Um, <laughs> the lizards. The li- <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's too big a conversation for the day. Um, but <laughs> that that's getting edited out. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it uh, the, power, the powers that be, the, 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 those guys. <laughs> those guys, yeah. yeah. The, the, those guys. <laughs> um, the the people trying to put these controls. That's how they're. That's how they're. That's how they're trying to revoke free speech, like hate speech, hate speech, hate speech. It's just like, yeah. But as soon as you give, as soon as you let a certain group dictate what is and what isn't your, what what you are and aren't allowed to say, that is the most slippery slope imaginable for losing freedom and, and tyranny just completely flooding in to the, the system. It, to operate the what the, what the howling void called the operating system is being completely shifted. Um, but I, I think I, honestly, I'm going to start moving my stuff to Telegram, Mind, and Gap. I'm going to try them all out, and it's going to be a very gradual process, like you said. It's not going to be like you're not going to see an Instagram post like this is my last Instagram post for Blood and Rain. <laughs> Want to follow me? Go follow me on blank alt tech. Site, but yeah. I, I think that migration is, is something we need to start thinking about for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you never know. 2021 seems to be full of surprises. Maybe we'll have a, <laughs> our own solar sphere platform <laughs> in a couple of years. So. Well, Jack Donovan on um, the Renaissance of Men podcast talked about, I don't, I don't know what methodology or what tool he's using, but... He spoke about being able to set up different social media platforms, so I don't know. Like, that yeah. could very well be the case, and I, I think, and the Golden One touched upon this in his premium sort of Patreon subscription. There needs to be someone who makes a new phone. Like a new smartphone that's aesthetically pleasing, intuitive, and not controlled by the corporatist agenda. Yeah. Like maybe Elon Musk will do it. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, but you know. <laughs> um, but I think that that could be an even bigger step. Like that's that's the that's the technology equivalent of us meeting in person is there being a physical thing that we can hold in our hands that is gonna be completely free from these controls. Wishful thing, yeah. but I don't, I, at this rate, I, I don't. I'm really surprised by anything. Yeah, I mean, I suppose phone addiction is another one. You mentioned video game addiction being a, a huge problem for Gen Z, but phone addiction as well. So something like that would be, you know, pretty pretty innovative. And I mean, even I suffer from that. I mean, my lock screen literally just has to remind me every day. Uh, this is just a tool and I need to use it as a tool and not as anything else. I mean, it's really, it's really poisonous when you think about it. I mean, it's, it certainly can be, say the very least. I mean, the, it's, it's always the abuse of technology that's the problem, not the technology. 
Yeah, and I think that is, in a way, why I want to advocate for congregations, tribes, grouping, because uh, I've said this before, but when you're reading content, you acknowledge it and you scroll because that's that's how the apps are built for you to mindlessly scroll and scroll and think you're doing something by reading you know insightful content but you're not actually applying anything and that's not our fault you know we're writing great content but the app the software is working against what we're trying to create by having people in this mindless loop so having something that can pull them away reinforce these ideas and ensure that they apply this content is really imperative absolutely absolutely and not only that 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 presence of conversation that then you can you know so many of our anonymous so many of us are anonymous for so many reasons like so many very valid reasons that when we meet in person it's like we can, we can start putting faces to these names yeah it's like you're like you're you're hamish the people in the field like you're you're the front man of people in the field like this is you right here right now like you're down you your nature chad your flow modus your letters from the room like and then having these conversations in person and no screen without without having to slide a piece of glass yeah that's going to be one of the most enriching things one of the most fulfilling things it will definitely be surreal and uh, i don't know if this is under wraps so i won't say anything but i'm what you told me in the call uh, as in what your future intentions are in relation to uh, your podcast and and washington really really got me going and it's definitely something that i think everyone should start to uh move forward to absolutely and i think we need to start like we need to start sort of at least in dm sort of disclosing where we are in the world because i was speaking with joe Abra, who's going to be on the podcast this weekend and him and i wrote um we're, we're wrapping up writing at the first joint long-form written piece for blood and rain um, called the Golden Cage. Uh, when I the first phone call I had to them, I asked, "Well, where are you? Where are you from?" He's like, "I'm from Madrid." And I was like, "Really?" Like the first, even the first from Madrid. He's like, "Actually, Ursus uh, Actus is also from Madrid." I'm like, "Really?" Yeah, it's Spanish. Yeah, so it's like, all right, so we could have, like, it's going to be a pretty tall order getting everyone in one spot. You know, it's it's going to be like. All right, where are the guys from Australia? Where are the guys from the UK? Where are the guys from Eastern Europe? Where are the guys from the Iberian Peninsula? Where are the guys from... We've yet to have anyone from South America, but I think it's just a matter of time, really. Um, yeah. South, uh, South America, Africa. Um, so it's, it's going to be a tall order you know, picking a spot that everyone's going to be happy with and everyone's showing up. It's going <laughs> to be a lot easier saying, okay, all the people in this sort of region... Let's congregate here. I think that's more more tangible. I think that's that that could be the next step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, regardless of the the obstacles that are imposed before us, the reward of of attempting to physically congregate is is going to be surreal. I think, and it will definitely be the first boots on the ground and the first, I guess carving the solar sphere into stone, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So we had we had a number of questions for the Q and A. It was a bit of a last minute Q and A, but I wanted to, I, I know you have a time limit, so I, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, but I wanted to get these out of the way real quick. Um, yeah, no problem. Before we get going, I'm sure they'd I'm sure they would love to hear your perspective. Um, so the first question. Uh, it's a very fitness-based question. Uh, we haven't touched too much about fitness, but I'm sure it's a pretty big part of your life. Um, yes, how do, you, how do you plan a week covering all aspects of fitness, in parentheses, endurance, power, flexibility, etc.? I think first that really depends on on your, your current state and what your goals are. And I, I suppose I, I divide it into, uh, are you going for... An aesthetics-based physique or a functional physique, obviously you can you can utilize both, but but it's it's really dependent on on which way you're going. And I'd recommend a functional physique if you're you're in sports. Um, but else, I think I think it's pretty simple to compose a routine. Um, and I think that's just researching different sort of splits. Um, I think it's highly again highly dependent on your body type, uh, such as ectomorphs, would need more uh, cardio, more cardio, more weight training. I mean, composing a routine is very subjective. But for me, uh, I focus on a lot of a lot of weights and a lot of weight training with limited cardio uh, because of my physique. But I mean, it would probably be a good idea to plug your. Uh, your suggestion of offering free, free workout routines. I think people could benefit a lot from that. Yeah, I mean, you touch on you touch on some of the primary sort of principles there. Um, it, you get you get a lot of fitness questions in this podcast because of some of the fitness and Muay Thai stuff that I, I post, and, and likewise in your page. Um, from the more physical aspects of knowledge being shared. But yeah, I think there are, there's there's a lot of bodybuilding lore being shared on this sphere. And I talked about this with with, um, with uh, Evil Academy when I was a guest on his podcast in the, the first part of our dual podcast. Um, you know, bodybuilding's great. I, I think there's there's room for hypertrophy in every training program. I think it's a great thing. Um, you're gonna feel better. You're gonna be able to eat more, honestly, because you have more to feed. Um, that's just that's just the fact of it. But unless bodybuilding is your job, that shouldn't be the only way you're training. Yeah. Um, you should be able to want to run five miles and not be gassed. You should be able to want to do the splits are at least be at a level of flexibility where you can move comfortably without feeling like you're going to snap your back in half. Um, you should strive to be strong. Like people should look at you. Like if they look, you see some of these aesthetic physiques, right? And then you see how much they can lift. Like, are you serious? Like it, it, it just looks bizarre, honestly. Um, so you should strive for strength. You should strive for cultivating every aspect of physical culture 
in terms of planning, there's there's a couple of principles that I shared on the podcast of Nature Build. Um, it's pretty easy to program all of these aspects. Like you can flexibility. You're going to do at the end of your sessions. You're going to do at the end of your endurance session. You're going to do at the end of your weightlifting sessions, your bodybuilding sessions, your strength sessions, um, because you don't want to ask your body to stretch itself and then perform physical activity that needs stiffness and explosion. It's, it's just the opposite. So you're only going to stretch those muscles after the fact. So that's how you plug in flexibility. Um, power, that, that's a matter of rep ranges and that's a matter of effort. So there's something called the stretch reflex in the muscles. Um, it's basically this elastic nature of muscles that trigger both power and speed, therefore. I did an entire post on this on Blood and Rain, but you're going to be doing a lot of explosive movements with weightlifting. Building short-term power is done with plyometrics, so explosive calisthenics. Sprinting is considered a plyometric. Box jumps are considered a plyometric. Um, burpees, dynamic push-ups, ballistic pull-ups, things of that nature. Long-term power is built by weightlifting and then doing a phase of explosive weightlifting. So you're doing like double bounce squats, power cleans, um, bench press chains. You're moving weight, like big weight as fast as you can. And then the final phase doing plyometrics, you're going to be cultivating all the power that you gain by putting all the weightlifting in the bank. Um, but then there's also the, the rep ranges of power. It's in threes, you know, reps of three or set, sorry, sets of three reps. The only, the only thing that's like a lot of people want to get big and they want endurance, but they don't want to cannibalize the two. You can get away with like light endurance sessions as fast as cardio on the same day as bodybuilding sessions. But don't do any like really hardcore endurance, like high intensity interval training within 48 hours of hypertrophy. That's it. Like the rest, you can plug in strength, you can plug in power, hypertrophy, skill development, speed, all in the same session. It's really not that hard. Just, just, and but never, never. Also, the other band principle: never com combine endurance and any like strength. You know, the weights-based training in the same session if you're trying to optimize. Yeah, I, th I think for me, um, it, it was it's hard for me to answer that question because I've, I've had an issue where I've just purely been focusing on strength training for most of my life, and all I was doing was lifting weights, and that's sort of when I came to the realization that in a in a bad situation could I save my own life and the reality is probably not because I was just too focused on getting really big and aesthetic and I think my priorities are uh, applying Kaizen first and foremost so keeping it simple but my focus is on strength training uh, swimming climbing and sprinting and flexibility that's pretty much all I focus on I don't necessarily use a split. I don't really have set routines because I get bored of them very quickly. I just focus on those primary aspects of training. Yeah, that, Hamish just touched on another really important piece. It's like I'm, I'm not like I, I'm, I'm really happy, like seeing all like the strength and conditioning aspects of things. Like, I, if, if, if that's something that you're into, that's fantastic. I think everyone should be doing some form of strength and conditioning just as a general rule. Like that's, that's, that's essential. 
Um, but what I'm, I'm seeing less of because, like, I mean, I do strength and conditioning because I'm passionate about itself, but I'm doing it for the sake of Muay Thai. I'm doing it eventually for the sake of mixed martial arts. Like, I do love it, but I'm not doing it just for that. And I think we're not seeing enough just, like, physical skills that people are, are excited about. Like, you have your jiu-jitsu guys, but then, like you said, you have your climbers, you have your swimmers. Um, I think people need to get more excited about picking up a, a physical skill that really is, like, a piece of skill development. Um, so think about that as well, guys. Climbing, swimming, um, maybe rowing. Um, my fiance is actually getting me into yoga. Like she's a big yogi, and I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting to like, <laughs> like starting to. But before I was like, well, this is a necessary evil, and that's the only reason I'm doing this. Well, there's actually um, something I uh, I noted down regarding Kaizen and and GSP was that he personal development there's no end goal it relies on constant momentum uh, improvement and innovation and I think the best example when I was reading that book was when uh, George St. Pierre went to his coach and he said I don't think I can get any better I'm in peak physical condition and the coach I think it was uh, Zahafi took him to a gymnastics class and made him do gymnastics and he couldn't even do the easiest easiest tasks and from that day on he implemented gymnastics into his routine in the run of the fights in his camp and after that he also implemented yoga because he realized that he wasn't at his peak physical condition and that even the best in the world needs to constantly improve and change and obviously no other fighter was realistically doing yoga were they so yeah I 100% explore your options and keep an open mind. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's a wonderful point, too. Um, if, if you see the early fights of um, Georges St. Pierre, he's a bit stiff because he has that karate background, that, like an explosive background. Mm. So he had like this really great like straight line strikes. He had the he had that front kick, he had his uh, Kyokushin side kick. He was able to do the double leg takedown really well because he had that Kyokushin blitz. Um, but he was stiff. His boxing was never really that great, and his rotational kicks were okay. Like, he did Muay Thai with Phil Nurse in, in, uh, in New York City. But once he started doing gymnastics, and Faraz talked about that he wanted him to be less stiff, and that's why he wanted him to do gymnastics. Um, and once he started that, he was able to, like, tumble better, and he was able to be a bit looser and bounce a bit more. And all of a sudden, you saw his boxing improve. Like, not just because he trained with Freddie Roach and Amir Khan, but because his body was actually being programmed in strength and conditioning to be able to do that now. So now you saw, like, this relaxation and this sit-down and this bounce. So you saw a hook at the end of his jab now. You saw, like, this more fluid Georges St. Pierre rather than, like, this stiff, like, very dynamic mixed martial artist and was the best in the world. But you, you saw these improvements. Um, and there's these... There's these accounts of everyone who, every, like, great UFC fighter who, like, spends the day with George, they really can't keep up with it. Like, Chael Sonnen was talking about this. Um, Kenny Florian was talking about this. Like, I woke up, and he just went for a run. Yeah. We ate some food, and then we, we wrestled, and then we ate some food, and then we did some more time, and we ate some food, and then I was tired, I did nothing, and then he went and did gymnastics, and then we ate some food again. And then he did yoga. It's just, it was, it, and then he ate some food, and then he did, went to jujitsu. He's like, I just couldn't, it, this guy was nonstop. 
but you could tell it was such a norm for him. It was he wasn't straining himself. He just got to that point like, gradually through Kaizen. Um, and through the Kaizen of, like Hamish said, sort of continually exploring his options, realizing that he can constantly improve. I think it kind of ties into what, uh, what Nature Chat mentioned in one of your podcasts, which is that you are only able to experience today. You can't experience tomorrow or yesterday. It's always today. And I think today is the only thing that the greatest men, the greatest earth truly care about. And that isn't to say they were ignorant of the past or future, but rather that all of these men had an action plan with short and long-term goals. But once these goals had been set and branded into their psyche like a hot iron, they didn't need to consider the future anymore because they had protocols in place, they had systems. And all they had to do was accomplish them every day and continually repeat. So once we look at, when we look at George St. Pierre, we, we look at him like he's some sort of superhero, but in reality, he's created a system for himself and he's just repeated and repeated and innovated until it's become the norm, until his brain just created like it's automatic. It's like a train. So long as the train is aware of its destination, all it requires is momentum and like movement and flow. So I think it's really important to keep yourself in the present and set intentions. And as long as you're diligent, there's no way you can fail. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so rock solid and simple that it's like, it's common, you know? Yeah. Um, Pavel Tsatsun, the great Russian strength coach who... I mean, he's, he's Belarusian, but still, um, he uses predominantly like Soviet and, well, okay, Belarusian and Russian and Ukrainian Bulgarian methodology um, as part of the Soviet way different system. But he, um, he sort of packaged all the great Soviet sports scientist methods into very simple principles to teach to the Western world. Um, and he, he spoke about how, like, hard work matters, but very steady smart work matters like you don't need to be a hero on the weightlifting platform every day like you're not going to will it to do one more rep like when the programming is that precise it just simply won't work like you, you go in and do your training like a working man like you're not going in there like it's your final fight your final lift every single day like that's that's such an that's such a especially an american sort of like yeah. it's like they, they live by like a slogan just like no don't quit like, shut up and sweat. Like, one more rep. Like, living living by, like, a slogan. Um, and it's it sort of, it, it just leans, it leans itself to that sort of crashing nature that you spoke about in your post by people who, like, take on too much to improve themselves and, like, wake up late and, like, oh, God, I'm already behind. And then it's just, it becomes so overwhelming and then it leads back to an eventual inaction. Um, he spoke of just making things improving things so steadily that you're going in and going out just like you're just going like to a job honestly like this is the work that i'm, I'm doing today plain and simple and that that's unshakable the other two questions that we have okay well one <laughs> best self-defense besides a gun well the answer you're looking for is a knife next question uh, no, uh, <laughs> I mean, Muay Thai Jiu-Jitsu, pretty much all I can say. Yeah, I'm, I, I would agree. I'm probably as new as, you know, as new to combat sports as Ebola Academy, so 
uh, yeah, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu are probably the ones that are most attractive to me. A lot of people say boxing, like being able to have the footwork and line up that big shot, but you know, depending on the situation, like if if you're being taught really good Muay Thai, like most 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 assailants aren't like practicing getting kicked in the leg every day, right? They're not they're not they're not building that toughness. So, like you got a solid low kick. And you just kick him, he's gonna fall to the ground and you can just run. Like that's it's you you don't wanna like get into a point where you get you're defending yourself and you get enraged to the point where like you you use excessive force on the guy, like you use unnecessary amounts of force to the point where you get thrown in jail. I've seen that happen before working in the bar industry. Um So yeah, it's like if you, you guys if you learn some solid Muay Thai like, if the guy tries to get up in your grill, you'll be able to clinch and take him down and run. Um, if he's also up in your grill, he hasn't quite grabbed you yet, you can throw an elbow in his face. That's going to feel way worse than a punch. Or you can knee him in the solar plexus. Or if he's a bit further away, you can leg kick him, and he will fall to the ground. So, and then you can just run. Your goal should be to get the fuck out of him. Like, this is coming from someone who's trying to be a professional fighter. Like, your goal should not be to be a champion on the street. It's ridiculous. Um... Those days Can I ask for your your opinion on Krav Maga? You know, I've so I've seen okay. I've seen like authentic Krav Maga. If you can find it, it's amazing. Like it's 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 literally self defense. So if you can find really really good Krav Maga, I would highly recommend it. I've never practiced it, but I've seen it. There's validity in it. But I've also seen McDojo type of Krav Maga places that are gonna get some guy killed. Like they, 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 they come out with like this false sense of confidence like I'm like a lethal weapon. Like, bro, you've been there for three weeks, okay? Like you are not a lethal weapon, okay? And any instructor telling you that you're like this weapon after three weeks is deluding you and is a charlatan, so get out of here. Um, yeah, I, uh, it, again, it, it's tough to find, but if you can find authentic Krav Maga, preferably taught by someone from Israel, honestly. Then I would highly recommend it. And then how the last question was how do you cut out unhealthy foods when they're so available in places like the United States? For me, I well, I, I suppose I used Kaizen, although unintentionally at the time. I instead of just completely cutting out any bad foods in one clean sweep I just slowly reduced and once that slowly reduced then I started to replace I mean obviously I can't for attest for America but over in the UK we have quite a caricature of America as you probably know yourself is that it's you know the the den of consumerism where you can get 50 varieties of of a cookie or something like that but uh, for me, it was just slowly cutting them out piece by piece uh, to the point where it felt like nothing. And, and this was a process of maybe two months, just slowly cutting and replacing. Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't necessarily have any addiction to them. I just I just thought that they were the norm because you see the you see it in advertising. You know, snacks is such a norm. So yeah, I just maybe took out that one soda a week, took out that snack, and then 
If I still wanted a snack, you know, I'd replace it with almonds, and almonds is one of my favorite foods now. So yeah, for me, it was just using the Kaizen effect and slowly reducing and cutting things out. You know, I actually, come to think of it, and this is before I read the book, and this is before I knew the concept, um, this is, while, I, while I was at drama school, I changed my diet. That was really the big turning point for me. Um, so mine also, mine also started in England. Um, I mean, when I got there, I had, like, no money at first, before getting pursued low money. So, you know, I was, you'll understand this, I was living off of ramen and digestive biscuits and Jaffa cakes and Battenberg and all this, like, just garbage. Sounds <laughs> yeah, like a uni diet. No, oh, it's, it's, it's a fresher's uni diet. Fresher's, definitely. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, um, in the United States, what we call freshmen in the States, they, the UK calls freshers, which I got, I got, I don't know why I found it so funny. I just got the biggest giggle out of it for like a week. Just, just, just cause it's like when you move somewhere, it's just the little things, you know, you're like, oh, it's like the same. It's just, just a little, you know, like what they said in Pulp Fiction. It's like, it's just the same, just a little different. Um, but yeah. And then I was introduced to Cadbury chocolate, which is way better than Hershey's chocolate. So I'm like, Ooh, you know what? I'm feeling a twirl. Like, well, Yorkie isn't Cadbury, but I'm feeling a Yorkie, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was so active in drama school, and I was a track athlete before that. It didn't matter. And then I got back to the States, and I, like, I felt it. I gained some, gained a little bit of chub. I was like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> and when I came back to drama school and I had student loan money, I, I came up from one of my tutors, and I said... You know, I'm really thinking of going, like going, getting back on the track and field. I need something like really physical. And they're like, do, do not do track and field. Like, do not. Like, it's the exact opposite of what we need your body to do in golf. Okay? Don't don't play football. Like, all, all your buddies are trying to ask you to. You keep telling them no. And do do, do not run track and field. I was like, okay. So then I, I, I picked up I picked up uh, Muay Thai. And... That was that was a big like like um, lifting weights for Nature Chad was a big catalyst for me. Like the biggest top three decisions I've ever made in my life was walking into that Muay Thai gym at Monster. And um, I just, I fell in love in a second, like in a split second. And you know, I was going to pubs because you know, I arrived in the UK at 19 years old, and the legal drinking age is 21 years of age in the United States, but it's 18 in the UK, so I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, and I was going to the pub late night and drinking student student specials of quadruples of scotch, um, writing in my journal. And um, I got off Muay Thai, and I felt so good. I felt the oxygen sort of surging through my body. And then... Um, I went to a pub after and I just was like, you know what, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I started looking at my diet, you know, I was having um, a flapjack in, in, in the United States, guys, you know, we call pancakes flapjacks. The flapjack is sort of this, it's like, what would you call it? It's like, it's like this like little oat cake with like chocolate and sugar. Like, is that the best way to describe it? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, oats and usually binded by honey or maple syrup, I suppose. Yeah, 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 and it may, may, yeah, maybe we'll drizzle some, 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 like, some dark chocolate on top. Um, and so, like, I took it with my breakfast, I was like, no, I gotta be eating eggs. Gotta be eating. 
some beans. They're going to be eating, you know, some, some better food. So then, then I, I switched my breakfast. Then I saw what I was having for lunch. And literally, you're, you'll get a kick out of this. I, it got to the point where I, like, I programmed myself. Like, I replaced my my sausage roll lunch with, you know, like with Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> with, like instead of eating at the student hall, like I would wa- I would power walk to the local MS and I would like find the freshly made sandwiches and I would look at the nutrition facts. And if it had more fat grams than protein, I would literally laugh at it like a lunatic <laughs> and put it down until I found one that had more protein. And that's that's like that that's how I started eating healthier. Um, oh, wow. So it's um kaizen like the whole theme of this podcast is kaizen it's starting with the little replacements if you try to replace everything all at once it's going to be like herding cats and you're going to feel overwhelmed and you're going to go back to square one yeah and i think kaizen is, is something you can most people can so easily retreat to and i think it's supposed to be like that at the start of of George St. Pierre's book, he said that if you can't be bothered to read the whole book, then take this one piece of advice away. And he said to set only one goal, make an action plan to achieve that goal, execute it, and then repeat it. And that was it. So it was essentially, it was essentially telling you to implement Kaizen. And that is the one of the best, if not the best, UFC fighters in history. So if you ignore that, then I'll be honest, there's little hope for you. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not looking at... It, it, maybe, maybe this could be a potential disconnect. Guys, I would I would recommend... Go watch some of his fights. It's... It's unreal. The level of control he has over the page. The, the level of skill set he has and so many different skills in mixed martial arts and if you listen to some interviews if you listen to some podcasts when he's on on, uh, Joe Rogan just his mind and you can listen to his his coaches on Joe Rogan too on Faraz Sahabi and John Donahue you listen to the minds at play if you don't hear that and think like wow I can learn something from these people then I don't know what you're even listening to this podcast for honestly um yeah, like Hamish said, there's literally no hope for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Hamish, I don't want to keep you any longer. I, I think I've kept you 45 minutes longer than I said I would. My apologies. No worries, man. It was a great conversation. Um, how do people find you? People have filled on Instagram, and that is the only outlet we currently have. But people of the field podcast coming soon and the Pills podcast is indeed coming soon and hopefully one day you could be on it as well <laughs> it, it, brother it'll be an honor because it's been, it's been an honor having you on my podcast like, truly it's it's a, it's a gem for me thank you thank you i mean it's it's really surreal being here as i said first podcast i ever listened to and now we're here so yeah it's, i really appreciate you having me on again it's, it's been an honor and a pleasure um, and Hamish, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to not only invite you, but invite any tribesmen who we think would be great folks to collaborate on a long-form written uh, in the future. Um, you know what, I might as well spill the beans now, guys, with Hamish here. This Sunday, 
with the first introduction of long-form pieces to Blood and Rain, I'll be launching the long-form website called Blood and Rain Books. So there was a poll I did on my Instagram story about a month ago about whether or not people would like to see weekly chapters of short stories and other long-form content. And 98% of you said yes, so I'm going to take that as a yes. So Blood and Rain Books is launching this Sunday, March 14th, the day before the start of Orthodox Month. Um, and it's going to be The Golden Cage. I'm going to be releasing the poem, the original poem, Blood and Rain, The Scroll of Blood and Rain, I wrote in episode 5. Um, and the following Wednesday will be the first chapter of a Greek hero story. Um, but on Blood and Rain Books, Hamish, I would love to have you and any of your tribesmen who you, you think would love to collaborate on a, a long-form written piece. I would love to invite you with you. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some people that would be interested in that, so I can, yeah, definitely get you in contact with those guys. That'd be amazing. And any, honestly, any of your tribesmen who are particularly gifted in speaking or, you know, if you feel have something to say or you feel need to be given a nudge to maybe conquer their fear of public speaking, I would love to have them as a guest in the podcast. So. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, well, they'll definitely be listening. So, yeah, they'll probably get in contact with me. Fantastic. Well, Hamish, uh, I will be speaking to you very soon. Everyone, go follow people in the fields. Go follow the first tribe under one umbrella account that is just a truly enriching account to follow. And until next time, everyone, good night and good storms. Thank you.